Amen. Hey, have you been enjoying the Going Forward series? Amen. You know, if you haven't been able to catch up or, or maybe you missed a couple of Sundays, that's okay. Uh, today is our part three and our final part, but you can catch up at rlcholland.com, rlcholland.com. You know, and it's just something that God's really dropped in my heart to talk about with you guys and what we can do as a child of God, as a daughter of God, as a son of God, uh, to move forward in this life, to go forward, because God wants to take you places. And our first week, we talked about um, our attitudes and how we are all called to be leaders, you know, like when we think about leadership, we think about titles, management, but reality is God says leadership is influence. That's what leadership is. It's not how you manage things, it's how you are with others. Did you know God was in the, in the business of people? That's all he's about is with, about people. That's why we're here today. And he says you can become a leader. You can influence people around you. Even if you don't have the title, even if you're not in type of some type of management, you have people around you. He says, I want you to influence to, for the kingdom of God. I need you is what God is saying. And so we talked the first week about how, how attitudes, uh, the attitude of God needs to be with inside of us. But we also went to the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, and it says, As dead flies give perfume a bad smell... So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. In other words, it doesn't take much to ruin that influence that we're supposed to be towards people. It doesn't take much. And God wants us to have his influence in us and so we can extend to others. And we talked about five attitude killers in leadership. Five attitudes that really kill what God's trying to do within us. And the first one is anger. And I'll quickly go through these, okay? Anger. That we shouldn't be controlled by anger. Anger is an emotion that God gave us, but it's more like an indicator that we need to address something. Kind of like the gas tank. You have the F, you have the E. What does it mean when you're on the E? <laughs> Empty, except, except for Hondas. For some reason, you can go like another 30 miles. Like, <laughs> I love Hondas. <laughs> But yeah, you got the F and the E, and when you see the light go on or the ding go off, and it, it, it's an indicator. It's telling you, hey, there's an issue here that you need to address, and let's just go ahead and fix this real quick. And it, and it leads you to a place in a station where, where you can actually pull a pump out, put some money in, and just refill. You know, and anger is kind of like that. We have this emotion and anger not to lose self-control. That's our mistake. That's where we miss it. But what anger really is, is when it rises up, it's an indicator. God's telling us, hey, something's not right here. You need to address it. But God says, use my fruit of the spirit, which one of them is self-control. And let's just address these things. But sometimes we allow anger to control us, and it kills the leadership within inside of us because we say what we want to say, we act the way we feel, we slam the doors, and it's over. We do the silent treatment, and, it's, and it just really doesn't help. A, a circumstance, but it was never created for that. God says, use it as an indicator so you can do what God wants you to do. The second attitude killer was, is pride. You know, someone wants to tell me pride's like, like bad breath. Everyone knows you got it except you. <laughs> and if you think about it, it really is, you know? And so you want to have those close friends around you that say, hey, look, some issues are coming up, you know, and I just want to talk some things with you, okay? You want those friends around you. But pride is probably one of the fastest attitudes that can take a person down. Pride. You know, Proverbs tells us that pride comes before the fall. There's a fall result that God does not want us to walk in. And so when we're in pride, we end up hitting these roadblocks and these issues, and we go through stuff because it started with us. 
And God's saying, that's, that's, that's a leadership killer. I don't want that in you. Humility is what he wants. Humbling your heart and his word is what you need to get to get this pride out of you. The third one, attitude killer, is impatience. Being impatient about everything. You want to test yourself? Look at a red light. Let's see if you hit the gas or, or hit the brake. That's how we can find out. You know, and it's like, it's just we're impatient, we're in a hurry. And I understand we're always in a busy schedule. But let me tell you something. When we allow impatience to control us, we end up losing self-control on how we speak to others. We're yelling, we're rushing, and the Bible tells us haste makes mistakes. Being in a hurry makes mistakes. He wants you to do it right the first time. And so he says, don't be impatient and ask God for those teachable moments in your life uh, to, to help you overcome impatience so you can be patient in life. The third or the fourth attitude killer in leadership in us is fear. Allowing fear to paralyze us and what we have to do. We come up with these excuses. And, you know, and I know the Bible says, you know, the, the beginning of knowledge is, is to fear the Lord. And here's the thing. The fear that God's talking about versus the fear that I'm talking about are two different things. You see, when God talks about fear, he's talking about a reverence, pleasing him, doing what he wants you to do. The fear that I'm talking about is paralyzing you to do what God wants you to do. Being afraid of, of doing it because you just simply are too comfortable in this boat. I, I, I think about Peter, the disciple, um, who is in this boat and Jesus is doing an impossible thing and he's walking on water. Have you ever tried to walk on water? I have too many times. I still do in the summertime. I'm like, watch this, guys. And I just try. I get like one step in and I'm just like, gravity takes over. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and so Jesus, and imagine this, Jesus is walking on this water, and these disciples are freaking out. And they even, th- they're talking to each other, it's a ghost. They're saying, it's a ghost. Obviously, it's something you don't see every day. And, and, and as these guys are kind of contemplating, what is this? Jesus says, hey, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> it's just me. And then they, Peter says, hey, if it's you, call me out to you. And he says, okay, come, come. Come out here. And, and, and Peter does. And yeah, he sinks after a while, but for a little bit, he's actually doing something impossible and he's walking because his eyes are gazed on Jesus. He did something impossible. And I really thought about that scenario for a second. I said, okay, so if I was in that boat and I'm looking around at all that's going on right now, I would say the safest place and the most comfortable place, even though it's hard, the most safest place right now, the most comfortable place would be in the boat. In the boat. I don't care if it's rocking back and forth. I'm going to stay in here because this is probably the best thing for me to do. You know they were contemplating what to do. And Jesus says, get out of the boat. Wait, hold on. You want me to get out now, Peter says? (laughs) Come. All right, I'll go. And so Peter does something uncomfortable, you know. And there's a little bit of discomfort. And he trusts God. He trusts Jesus in his words, and he, and he gets out of the boat, and he does the impossible. And so when we look at fear, you know, we have to understand that, yeah, fear rises up, but we have everything in Christ to overcome fear. And I had said that bravery is not an absence of fear, but bravery is looking at fear in the face and saying, you ain't going to stop me. I'm going to continue to do what you want me to do, God. I don't care if this is trying to creep up on me. And fear has to flee. Fear has to flee. So don't let fear kill the attitude of the leadership that you are called to be in your life. The fifth attitude killer was acceptance. This was a huge one. 
You know, well, what do you mean by acceptance? The acceptance I was talking about is just trying to be accepted by everyone, people pleasing. When God's telling you to do something and they're kind of contradicting that, you just kind of like, well, God, I know you want me to do this, but they just get upset with me when I do it. And the thing is, we, we fall into this thing that we're just trying to be accepted by everyone. Here's the deal. We kill the leadership with inside of us. We don't, we don't go fully for God. You see, an act of obedience, when, when God says to do something or to say something or to give something, that obedience activates something in your life. It's really unexplainable. But when you put it to the test, in a sense, when you, when you let God be God and you say, yes, God, I will go even when it doesn't make sense, what you're doing is you're building on your faith, you're building on your trust, and you're making an impact for his kingdom. And yeah, maybe some people won't like it because it's just something they don't, are not used to. But at the end of the day, that is a more of an impact in their life than it would be if you just pleased them. And God's saying, don't let acceptance kill leadership inside of you because we're going to be doing some things for him because he wants us to do it. And then last week, we talked about um, going forward as well as requiring us to sit and rest. And the wrestle with our thoughts and our minds is how do you sit and rest but move and go forward at the same time? And we use the two sisters of Martha and Mary, where Jesus is in the house, okay? And when Jesus is in the house, uh, uh, one's serving and getting things prepped while the other one's sitting with Jesus. And the serving and, and, and all that is great, but the priority Jesus was teaching to these sisters was sitting in my presence is first. Because when you sit in my presence, when you allow me to just, just give you all of me into you, you have the equipment, you have the tools, you have everything you need to start serving. And so for us to truly go forward in this life requires us to sit and rest with Christ. And we gave three quick ways. It was through his word, it was through, his, in the, uh, through the Holy Spirit, and through his church. You know, there's a story in the Bible where the disciples have to feed 5,000. You know, and this is just about to happen. And, and there's just a lot that the disciples are doing. And Jesus is noticing how tired and, and, and how, how much they're doing. And we went to Mark 6.30. And it says that the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Verse 31. Then because, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Have you ever been so busy you forgot to eat? Not me. I always remember to eat, okay? I will always I eat. I want to make sure the food's there and it's good, okay? But have you ever been so busy? Because I hear it a lot. Man, I was so busy. I, I skipped lunch, you know? Or, or... You know lunch is coming, but you want to get the work done, and you kind of find pride in, you know what, I don't need lunch. I'm going to keep going. And it becomes this thing that we just take uh, the, the fact that we're supposed to sit and rest with God, we take it out. Well, here's the thing. The disciples are so busy, they didn't even eat, and Jesus takes notice because check out the next sentence. It says, he said to them, Jesus, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus is showing and demonstrating the importance of rest, that we need to rest with him. But the thing is here is he didn't say, hey, go take a day off. Hey, go to your house and get some sleep and get some rest. He said, no, come with me and I'll give you some rest. And that's the thing. We need to learn when we sit and rest with God, it doesn't mean we sit on the couch and turn the TV on. 
even though that's pretty cool and feels great. But God's saying the rest I'm talking about and sitting is with me. And that's why we said it's through his word. It's through his spirit, alone time with him. And it's through the church as you're here and getting invested by God. And part three today is really uh, we're going to continue this going forward. But here's the thing. Uh, the last two messages, the last two weeks, we were really talking about at, uh, us as an individual, Okay, us as going forward as just a child and is in an individual. And I was really thinking about this a few days ago. And I said, what about going forward as a church? What about going forward as the body of Christ? And that's what I really want to talk to you guys about today. Um, a few days ago, last Wednesday, I've been kind of promoting this the last few weeks, and we had a vision meeting uh, on a Wednesday night. Uh, and it was something that, that we believe there's information you guys needed to know, but we also wanted you to know where we're going, places that God has taken us, things that God dropped in my and my wife's heart for this church and for you guys. And so we had this meeting, and it was such a good time. Um, and thank you for those that made time to come out here. It was a really good time, and you guys uh, just blessed your, us with your presence. Uh, but we were talking about going forward uh, uh, in this meeting, and I realized, man, I'm in the middle of this series. I'm going to close this series up. I'm going to carry some of the stuff I shared that evening here today. When you look in Ephesians... Chapter 4, starting in verse 11, you'll see Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's talking to a church called Ephesus. You know, and through the epistles, all through the New Testament, you'll see Paul where he, um, when he's speaking to these churches, he's looking for their best interests and what God wants them to do for the kingdom of God. And in this scripture that I'm about to read, Paul really teaches on the establishment of a church, the giftings of the church, and why they are there. You see, what Paul was doing in this letter right here was he's making sure that this church goes forward. You see, there are times where we can sit still, and maybe we're not going backwards, but we sit still, but it's still not what God wants us to do. As a church body, he says, I want you guys to go forward. And Paul says this in verse 11. He says, so Christ himself gave apostles he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, and the pastors, and teachers. So what he's doing is he's establishing this thing. He's saying, hey, this is what the foundations of a church, this is what a church needs right here so we can go forward. Verse 12, to equip his people for the works of service, okay, so that the, that the body of Christ may be built up. When you look in this one passage I just read to you, did you know that's my job description? If you ever wonder, what does he do? Right there's my job description, and I blew it up for you guys to see. As a pastor, Pastor Danny as well, as a pastor, we are called to equip you guys. Not to do everything, but to encourage and implement the word of God into you guys so you can help us. Build the kingdom of God. You can help us reach people. Think about it for a second. There are people in your lives that I will never probably speak to because I just they, they, I don't encounter them every day. But you do. And, you know, and so what we want to do is we want to make sure you have the tools, you have the words, you have everything you need so you can go forward and as a church body and advance it. God said, Look, we are here to teach and to equip you guys. If I can simplify that just a little bit more, Madi and I are literally just simply partnering up with God so you can blossom. That's it. We ask God through prayer, 
What is it that they need? What is it that we need to share? What is it that we need to teach? Whether it's through men's ministry, whether it's through women's ministry, whether it's on a Sunday, we try to find ways to partner up with God so that you can have your full potential, you reach your full potential, you can blossom. It's like hidden treasure. I talked a little bit about that earlier, but I know in this room alone, I'm not even talking beyond this, there are teachers in here. There are future pastors in here. There are evangelists in here. But not only that, there are future doctors in here. There are, there, are, there are construction workers in here. There are people that can put their hand on the plow and just know how to do it. There are people that get it financially and know how to prosper, and they can teach that to others. And those that are, you guys that are here today, what we want to do is we want to implement God's word into you, remind you that Jesus is for you, not against you, so you can get out of your boats and do something impossible. We're going to take 30 seconds right now, and I want you to think quickly. Just ponder on yourself. What is something I want to do for God, I desire to do, whether it's on a Sunday or outside, Bible study or whatever it is. What is it that I want to do that I keep thinking about, maybe even talk about it, but really haven't put any action to it? Let's take a few seconds. Think about it right now. What is it? Now, that one thing you're thinking about right now, that one thing that you're like, okay, it, it, it turns my stomach when I even just think about it. What if God's saying, hey, that's exactly me and what I want you to do for this earth while you're here? What if Jesus is saying, hey, I'm calling you, come out of the boat, come here? What if he's calling you to do that? This is where you ask God, God, give me every step that I need so I can do that. You know, when we think about that and you, you bless others with that gifting that God gave you, whatever God just showed you right now, when you bless others, you're advancing the God, God's kingdom. You're helping us out here as leadership to reach people. That's how we move forward as Resurrection Life Church Holland. You know, when you think about uh, projects at home, who does projects at home? Make some noise. Okay, mostly guys, some ladies. I love that. You know, and so we have these projects that we do at home. I know I'm still doing a couple projects downstairs and, uh, you know, all these things are happening, but I, it requires to have tools. Okay, I didn't say tool. Okay, I said tools. The other day there was uh, um, this, these studs that we have up um, and there's a two by four that was really implanted inside the ground that we needed to take out because it was actually a doorway. And Madi had said, hey, can you take this out? I'm like, yes, baby. You know, I got this. Come. Like, give me my hammer, you know. I wailed and wailed. I'm not joking. I used a hammer, okay. I, and I, I'm I'm wailing at it, and she's like, be careful. I got it. You know, I even turn it around and get that little, you know, the two, the back part, and I just, like, drilled it, and I, I'm yanking this thing. And I'm like, there has to be some nails, like, concreted inside because it's not moving, you know. And she's like, it's okay, it's okay. I'm like, no, 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 I got this, babe. Boom, and I'm just going at it. The next day, boom, but I'm still trying to weld this thing out with this hammer that I have. And I'm like, I need a sledgehammer. Where is it at? <laughs> I need a bigger hammer. But reality was it wasn't the hammer that I needed. It was a saw that I needed. And so that, that next day when I was still using the hammer, and I realized, okay, it's not, not the hammer. Grab the saw. And I just sawed one end, and I sawed the other one, and I picked it up. 
<laughs> literally. And I look at this thing, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And threw it on the ground. I'm like, I did it, babe. <laughs> Taking the rest of the year off. No, I'm saying. It was a certain tool that I needed. The hammer is a phenomenal tool, right? But the hammer wasn't right for that job. It was a saw. There was never a nail there. You know, I was just trying to figure this out, and I just couldn't get it. And here's the thing. Yes, I am a horrible carpenter, okay? I don't do stuff like this. But the lesson here is this. You are a tool that I'm not. I'm a tool that you're not. But God's saying, build my kingdom. Let's build people up. But if there are certain jobs that we have to do, what tool will he use? It's not going to always be Pastor Jesse. I'm just saying that right now. Because trust me, I can't do every job. You can in certain jobs. Maybe there's a person in your life right now that God's saying you can do it. Because if your prayer is this, God, Lord, just send somebody down their path to just reach them because I know they need it. And, oh, man, they need Jesus. And, and they're doing this. And then a week later, God, please send somebody. And then a week later, God, please send somebody. And then you see them. And you're like, hey, I'm praying for you that God's going to send somebody. You know, you're, you're saying these things. You're missing it. Because what God is shouting to you is, hey, I send you. I send you. You're the tool I need. You're a part of this kingdom. And then the excuse is, well, maybe I'll go to the church and I'll ask one of the leaderships if they can go pray for them, you know? And nothing wrong with that. I, we absolutely love doing it. But you have the same power in Christ that I do. You have everything you need to, to, to pray for somebody, to teach somebody, to show someone Christ. That's, the, that's how we build and move forward and go forward as a church body is when we understand that we are all God's tools, that we all have something to do and play a role in this earth. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 19. He says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is why we exist. This is why Resurrection Life Church Holland exists, is because we want to make disciples and we want to lead them to Christ, baptize them in the name of Christ. We want them to have a, an opportunity to make that decision. You know, I, I say we exist because there is a purpose here. If I could share a story with you guys, a couple of testimonies that really hit my heart, I recently was seeing what God was doing and why we belong here. Uh, a few days ago, I, had a, I was honored to, to do this for actually a friend of ours, a church member here, his funeral. You know, and, and, and one of the things that I realized is that because of this church, we were celebrating that day, that funeral, a homecoming. We were not, we, we, yeah, we were grieving, it was hard, and it was sad, but we were celebrating his life because Rez's life was a blessing to his life, and now he's home with the Lord dancing and singing and, and in total healing. That was because Resurrection Life Church had a role in his life. That's why we exist. We celebrate that. Another one is a year ago, uh, we had the Empower Christmas, the ladies' uh, dinner that they have, and someone was invited Somebody was invited that's not church and never came to this building before. And long story short, they loved the message that was given to them. They gave their whole heart to Christ, and they are still a part of this congregation today because of that one event that Res Life did. I, I want you to know, church, th this. Listen to me closely. 
We all have a role to play. I mean, and this is not just a res life thing. I mean, there are other great churches out there, but we all need to understand that we, the church, have to do something. And if you were called here, God has put a mission in your life as well, too. Um, another, another quick story, actually a little bit of a, I just want to recognize him because of what he's been doing, but our very own Matt Albrecht, who's back there over there, he's known him as a drummer, but he's actually jump-started something because he's challenged me in something, okay? If you did not know this, we're going Facebook Live. Our camera's been back there the last three weeks, and we're Facebook Live. Because he was talking to me one day. We were having breakfast, and he said, Jesse, there's a a whole world of people out there through social media that I want to reach. I never even thought about that. Never even thought about it. He says, yeah, think about it. And I remember him saying, we can do Facebook. We can do, you know, YouTube. We can, we can live stream. We can, you can go to rlchighland.com, and they can watch your messages now. He goes, and we can share the gospel and go beyond that. And he really got me thinking. And I realized, man, for us as a church to go forward, I need, God wants to use that tool over there. Because if I can't, I don't even know how to play the button. I don't even know. I, I just don't know. I, I really am not good with technology. But he is. And I remember him videoing us. I was able to share the vision. He said, let's go to your favorite spot. Let's, let, let me record you. And he's like, and we'll, we'll share church vision. I said, sure. And we went to Collin Park. And as we're there, I'm just like, okay, God, let's just, let me just share a vision. But he's kind of coaching me and guiding me how to do this. And because of it, he made me look good. It wasn't that sweet. It wasn't that smooth. But he just had the gifting to make it look good to reach people because of a different tool in God's belt. That's the obedience. And I just thank him for that because now we're able to reach more people uh, on Facebook Live. I know one of our church members here, she just had a couple of surgeries. And oh, hi, you know, and so I know she's watching us. Renee, hi. <laughs> I was going to call her out. Because I love it because she's like, that's my church family. She's proud of us. But she's able to continue to keep up with us when she can't even move right now. What a tool to have. What a tool to have to continue to do stuff for for the kingdom of God. But not only that, that's what we're doing now. But as a church, where else are we going? You know, we had about three rounds of growth track. You guys heard of growth track? And let me tell you something. Growth track is simply just putting the believer, you guys, maybe families that you might know that are coming and accepting Christ, we're putting them on a course. We're putting on a track that they're going to grow on. Hence, growth track. You know, so they can know God, session one. They can find freedom, session two. And they can discover their purpose, session three. They'll know what they're wired to do in this world. So number four, they can make a difference and people's lives. That's going forward as a church. Church, Holland, listen to me. We need you. God needs every tool in the belt and to say yes, because when the job comes, he's going to call us. Get out of the boat. Let's do something impossible. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I'm with you the whole time. I will lead you, and I will guide you. We had another couple come in, and I'm sharing a lot of stories because I want you to see the fruit that's happening here, okay? We had another couple um, that just recently just been joining our church the last uh, three, four months now since July has now made this their church home and reopened a, a, a prayer that we had with God the other day, and they started talking about small groups. Their heart was about small groups. You know, we got a few small groups going on already, but, but she's like, what can we do to coach and teach and, and, and do a little bit more? With small groups. She's like, imagine houses opening up and imagine homes and people sharing the word and, and, and fellowship happening. 
And I'm, and I'm thinking like, whoa, Marty, that, we prayed about that two years ago. We prayed for people to come in that are excited about these things so we can go, keep going. And Marty looked at her, and I, I loved it. She says, you're the person we prayed for two years ago. You're the person that we prayed about, and you're here. And then she was touching her, no, she wasn't touching her face. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she wasn't doing that, I promise you guys. <laughs> But it was awesome to see my wife saying, you were the person we were praying about, and you're here. That's going forward as a church, church. <laughs> That's going forward, and God wants you to be a part of this. You know, we've been doing ministry for about eight years, and I would say even longer than that. It's just there was no title behind it. Because the moment me and Madi said yes to Jesus, we just were lit for him. And we wanted to be an influence and an example, and we were going forward. But when I was thinking about this, the reason why I believe the last at least eight years of ministry, we were so successful in what we did is, this, is because we were simply looking and going forward and not holding on to the past or, or, or the back. This church, guys was the reason why Madi and I are here today. For those that don't know, this is where I said yes to Jesus. I was sitting back there 13 years ago. I said yes to him. And because of that, a journey has taken us beyond our imagination, beyond what we can think. But we are so successful in it because we're not looking in the back. We're striving to go forward no matter the discomfort. No matter how uncomfortable it was for us, we just kept saying yes to Jesus because we knew he was going to be there anyways. This is so uncomfortable. But God wants us to go, okay, well, let's do it. But God, are you sure? I still want you to go. I haven't changed my mind. Maybe, you're praying, maybe your prayer a year ago, you had something and you feel like, well, maybe God changed his mind. No, he didn't. He never changes his mind. He doesn't shift like that. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore is what the Bible tells us. And if he told you to do something a year ago or a month ago and you think, well, God kind of just did not bring it up anymore, that's because he's waiting for your action. He's waiting for your response. He still wants you and he still needs you. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14, it says this, brothers and sisters, Paul says, okay? He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Number 14, verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Not just forward, but heavenward, okay? In other words, what Paul's teaching and what God's word is saying to us is get in the game. Get involved. Don't stay still. You know there are people out there that need to hear truth. There are people in bondage that need to be set free and you are the tool that God is saying, I'm gonna use to break that chain. I'm gonna use to, to saw and sever those things away in their life so they can be set free. You are the reason why God is moving forward as well too because he sees a church of people that are getting involved in the game. And if you're not getting in, ask God, what's my position? What's my role? So we all can go towards the same prize. You think about it for a second. When you look at the story of David and Goliath, very well-known story. A lot of people know David and Goliath. But here's the deal. A 12-year-old boy, David, made an impact and killed an athlete, a warrior of warriors is what the Bible called him. Goliath, who was over nine feet tall, 
But you look at all of the army of Israel before David showed up, they didn't, couldn't even do anything. And the difference between the army and the one kid, David, was David got involved while the army didn't do anything. They were, I'm out of the game. I'm just not going to do it. But because of David's involvement, a giant was slain. Where is a part that you need to play in your life and in this role to advance him, to lift him? Because remember earlier when we said during worship time, when we lift the name of Jesus, you are elevated to a new level. You can see above the circumstances and no longer they look too big or impossible because your trust is in him. You need to get in the game, get involved, and the church will move forward, move heavenward, and advance and grow outward. But it starts with you. Let's close our eyes for a second and bow our head. You know, just encouragement I wanted to give you guys. I want you to know that